Welcome to Biblical Truth Made Simple. You know, after a brief respite, we're now back on our road to the cross. You know, on the road to the cross, we aren't just to travel the road. We are to work along the way. We are to, in a sense, provide roadside assistance to everyone we come into contact with on the road to the cross. This trip isn't a vacation. It isn't a sightseeing tour. It is a working trip. This road we're on is not a leisurely stroll. We are not on a sightseeing trip or vacation. This is a working trip. It's a road that requires we participate with Jesus as we walk. Being a Christian is not for the lazy. We're not called to just be Christians, but to act like Christians. The seeds of salvation are planted by the Holy Spirit, and we are called to attend to the harvest. This will not be an easy task. There will be opposition both from within the church and from outside the church. This was true when Jesus sent his disciples to the nation of Israel, and it is true as he sends us to the nations of the world. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. The Lord appointed seventy-two others and sent them ahead of him two by two into every town, places where he himself was about to go. There's two things we can learn from this verse. First, we are not to walk alone. The Lone Ranger had Tonto, Batman had Robin, Lewis had Clark, and Tom has Jerry. There's no such creature as a lone Christian. It is always worth repeating this. We are in this together. Jesus did not pick 12 disciples just in case some of them didn't make the cut. Because throughout scripture, we see examples of the disciples and of us and how we should encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 11 says, Therefore encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Hebrews 10.25 Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We are to pray for one another. Ephesians 6.18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep praying for all the Lord's people and holding one another accountable. You know, accountability is very important because without accountability, we all have a tendency to just wander off in whatever direction we want to wander. But it tells us in Hebrews 3, verses 12 through 13, see to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We are to encourage one another. We also do that by holding each other accountable. You know, it's easy to go off course when you're the only one on the path. You know, when I worked as a volunteer for Search and Rescue many years ago, I can tell you that in cases of people getting lost, the overwhelming majority of lost people were hiking alone. James 5, 
19 through 20 tells us, My brothers, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. If any of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. We are to search for others. We are not to walk alone. We are to keep each other accountable, keep each other on the right path. The second thing that we see in this is that we are heralds of the king into every town and place where he himself was about to go. I think this is overlooked, that Jesus didn't go into every town in Israel. He was selective of where he went, and perhaps he didn't need to go to every area, as the people would gather together in various larger cities and towns to celebrate the festivals in the Jewish calendar. For the towns he was about to enter, though, these disciples were to go there and declare the kingdom of God. So it is with Christians today. Jesus is not some big secret we hold height to our vest. We do not belong to some exclusive society that only certain people are invited to join. We are heralds to the king. We are called to make disciples of all nations and all people. We are to speak into the lives of the lost with truth and love, declaring the gospel with boldness. The world tells us to be quiet because they don't want the truth to be claimed. We are never to be ashamed of our message of salvation where the world's message is one of death. Romans 1.16, Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. As heralds to the king, we are to declare the good news, the good news to a lost and sinful world. Because the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. According to the latest Pew Research numbers, there are approximately 167 million Christians living in America today. With these numbers, one would think that the laborers would be anything but few. But alas, that is not the case. The majority of Christians tend to leave evangelism or even speaking God's word up to pastors and teachers. When we are all called to speak the truth to the lost, we are all called to be heralds to the king. Jesus not just sent out the disciples, he sent out 72 of his followers, people who had accepted him as Lord and Savior, people who recognized him as king. While not all are called to be teachers, pastors, or elders, all of us are called to be disciples and disciple makers. You know, if you see someone drowning, you don't wait for the lifeguard to come along and throw him the life preserver because he's a professional. If you see one trapped in a burning car, do you wait and hope the professionals show up in time? People are lost. They are headed for hell apart from Christ. Apart from Christ, there is no hope in their lives. We are the tools used by God to give hope to the lost and point them to salvation. As we go out, we are to pray earnestly. Earnestly to whom? To the Lord, who is the maker of the harvest. No one comes to God on their own. It is God who calls his elect, and it is his workers that harvest the elect for the Father. We are to pray to the Lord to send out these workers. Charles Spurgeon said of this, Now the Greek is much more forcible. It is that he who would push them forward and thrust them out. It is the same word which is used for the expulsion of a devil from a man possessed. It takes great power to drive out the devil. It will need great power from God to drive a minister out to his work. 
The power of evangelism does not come from within us. It comes from without. It comes from God. The words we speak come from the Spirit. But we have to be willing to do so. And God is the one pushing us out there to do that. We are his laborers. There will be those that are opposed to you helping. Go your way. Behold, for I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. While the wolves seem fierce and powerful, and indeed they are, we fail to see that the sheep outnumber the wolves. There is an old movie called A Bug's Life. In this movie, the ants are subject to the bigger and more powerful grasshoppers who exploit and abuse the ants. The leader of the grasshoppers makes this observation. Those puny ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure out, there goes our way of life. We outnumber the wolves. And above that, we have God, the creator of the universe, with us. Hebrews 13.6 says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Evangelism doesn't take bravery. It takes confidence, but confidence not in ourselves, but confidence in God, confidence in his truth. The power does not come from with us. It comes from God. It comes from the Holy Spirit. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. There's nothing to fear from man if you fear God. God is the creator of the universe. God is holy and he is just. God is the one who will judge the sinner not us. There is nothing that man can do to you that can outdo what God can do to you and for you. The Lord is my helper, I will not fear. What can man do to me? He can call you names. He can revile you. He can rebuke you. There's nothing more he can do. Man cannot condemn your soul to hell. Only God can do that. Man can't provide you with salvation into heaven. Only God can do that. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. To some, this might seem a bit extreme to the one who reads it, because if you don't have a heart for God, and you don't understand some of the nuances of the history, you may not understand this. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. How are you supposed to evangelize if we don't talk to anybody. You know, I'm a list maker when we travel, and so is my wife. We have learned to take only what we need so that we are not burdened by excess luggage. We live in a world that sees what you have, the material things that you have, as important. And the reality is, it is not. We are detracted from God's work, doing all we can to achieve all we can in this world. We often forget that all we have, we have because God has given to us. We forget that we are to be dependent upon God, not ourselves, for provision, especially when doing his work. Scripture tells us, seek first the kingdom of God. When we seek the kingdom of God first, God will always provide us with everything that we need, not necessarily everything that we want. There's a difference between our needs and our wants. We need food, we need shelter, and more than, that, more than anything else, we need God. And he provides us with that through his son, Jesus Christ. He provides us with the words to speak and the power to live in truth. Jesus tells the disciples, greet no one along the way. Now, again, this seems odd. How am I supposed to spread the gospel if I don't talk to anybody? 
While in ancient times, greeting had a tendency to be tedious, full of flattery, and often filled. We must stay focused on the mission given to us by God. We are to be kind. We are to be hospitable. While these things are important, the main thing that we have to concentrate on this road is that we are to be purposeful. We have a purpose for being here. We have a mission. We are the laborers for the harvest. While we travel this road, sometimes our purpose is to be roadside assistance. Luke 10, verses 25 through 29. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he designed to justify himself, said to Jesus, who is my neighbor. The lawyer made three assumptions that many of us even make today, and they are all incorrect. First, and the greatest mistake he made, is that he claimed to have fulfilled the first commandment. There is not one of us who can claim to love God with all our hearts. Consider David, a man who was proclaimed in Scripture for having a heart for God and yet still sinned. Our hearts our souls and our minds are easily distracted from the things of God. Second, he thought he could fulfill the commandment to love God and still choose not to love his neighbor. In 1 John chapter 4, it says, If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God, must also love his brother. We do not get to choose and pick who we love and who we do not love. We do not get to choose who we should help and who we should not help. Those choices are up to God, not up to us. Which brings us to the lawyer's last mistake. He wanted to define who was his neighbor. If we choose to only serve friends and those that are easy to love, we are not fulfilling what we have commanded to do. We are taught to hate our enemies, but to love our neighbors. Jesus turns this modern philosophy upside down by commanding us to love our enemies, who indeed really are still our neighbors. Jesus goes on in this passage to define what it means to be your neighbor with the parable of the Good Samaritan. The Samaritan, like us, is an image of Jesus. We are to be seen by others as an image of Jesus. The Samaritan was an outsider, despised by many. The Samaritan came after others failed to meet the need. Jesus often helped and came to those who were deemed to be hopeless and beyond help. The Samaritan came before it was too late. Jesus has always had impeccable timing, knowing our needs before we do. The Samaritan came with everything necessary. Jesus provides all that we need and is our only hope for salvation. And the Samaritan came right to the afflicted man. Jesus comes to all who call in his name. And the Samaritan gave tender care. Jesus is patient and kind to those who seek him and cares for, carries our burdens for us. And the Samaritan provided for future needs. Jesus gives us all we need for the future. He gives us the gift of eternal life. We are to be like the Samaritan. We are to seek others in the image of Jesus. We will be despised by the outside world. Why? Because we follow Jesus. We will be hated for his name's sake. Like the Samaritan, we are to help all who is in need, even if others refuse 
to help. We come with everything that is necessary, and that is the good news. That is the gospel. We come with the hope and salvation of eternal life in Jesus Christ. And we give tender care. You know, First Peter says, Sanctify the Lord God with all your heart, and always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that it was within you with meekness and fear. We bring the gospel and the truth to a dying world with love and tenderness. And we provide for the future needs of people by bringing them to Christ, the one who provides the gift of eternal life. You know, why we might not be able to run and meet every need that is presented before us, we must always have concern for those who come to us with social and spiritual needs. Something I read a while ago that makes perfect sense is the world would be a changed place if every Christian attended to the sorrows that are plain before him. Too often we turned a blind eye to our neighbor because it's just not convenient to help them. It's just not, it's not me. I'm not that kind of person. Well, if you are a Christian, you are that kind of person. Whether your neighbor be your enemy or your friend, you are called to help and to love them. The road to the cross that we travel, we don't travel alone. There is no such thing as a lone Christian. We need each other to encourage each other, love each other, pick each other up, and hold each other accountable. We are to be aware and looking for those along the road that are in need and to provide roadside assistance when we can. Father, I pray that our hearts are opened on this road, that we are looking forward We are looking for those that have broke down along the side of the road and we can stop, encourage them, pick them up and keep them moving. We thank you that have provided us with fellow believers so that we don't do this alone and that through them we are held accountable to your word and encouraged by your word. We are your laborers. You are the farmer who has planted the seeds of their church. You are the one who has planted the seeds of salvation in the hearts of men. And we are the harvesters for your crop, bringing all that you have elected to your saving grace. We thank you for your son who died on the cross, paying the penalty for our sins, bailing the full wrath of your justice and holiness upon his shoulders. We thank you that you rose him on the third day so that he sits at your right hand as our Lord and Savior, our King, our Lord, and our Savior. It is upon him that we rely and rely alone for our strength to stay on this road and to do your bidding. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. You know, we travel down the road of life and we see all sorts of things going on around us. And many of us wear blinders and we just ignore it. As Christians, we are not to do that. We are to open eyes to the suffering of the world around us. And we did present to them the truth with love of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And if you're listening to us today and you are on the wrong path, I encourage you to find a Bible-believing church and get back on the right path. The road to the cross is the only road that leads to eternal life. There is no other path and no other way. Until we meet again, may this road rise up to meet you. May the wind always be at your back, the sun shine warmly upon your face, and God hold you gently in his hands.